0: introduce you to one of the most influential people in my life from 1997 to 2004. Pastor Doug Clay served as our pastor here at Calvary Church, and uh, since then has served in a variety of state and national leadership roles in the Assemblies of God, which is the Fellowship of Churches that Calvary is uh, proud to be a part of. Currently, he serves in the most influential position in our fellowship as the general superintendent. And, uh, but, uh, in my heart, he is our pastor. He's my pastor and, uh, pastor Clay, thank you for taking yeah. this time to join us. What a privilege to have you uh, take some time to share with us.
1: You bet, Chad. And thank you. Thanks. First of all, for your friendship and thanks for the just outstanding leadership that Calvary church is providing, not just for Toledo, but really for, uh, uh, for other churches to replicate. In fact, earlier today, I was on a, a video podcast like this addressing a church staff, and I referenced uh, your little game show that you guys did last night. And any guy goes, I'm going to steal that. I'm going to steal that. And so truly, in both uh, missional ways, leadership ways, uh, Calvary Church, God has, has certainly canopied uh, that church and your leadership to to just lead the way in being missionally fruitful during these really incredible times. I would say unprecedented, but we started a rule around our office. Anytime you use the word unprecedented, you gotta cough up five bucks. So we're trying to get rid of the word unprecedented because it's, that is going to be the buzzword uh, at yeah. the end of this year uh, as yeah. it relates to this
0: uh, pandemic. Well, I'm cheap, so I'll try not to use it in-, uh, in No problem. The talk that we got here. So, Hey, Calvary kind of in this unique place where I would say about half of the people who call Calvary their church home, they know you, they love you, you were their pastor um, and continue to be. And then for, for another large group of our Calvary folks um, that have come, say, in the last few years since our move to Conant Street, um, they're not as familiar with some of our church history. Can you tell us a little bit about your role as general superintendent and maybe kind of what that role is in normal times, and then what it's looked like in the last couple of months.
1: Sure. And no doubt about it, some of the most um, um, warm, memorable ministry days that I have were in partnership with you at Toledo Calvary. Just, uh, I carry uh, just a warm spot in my heart for The church there and all that God is doing. Um, But yeah, the Assemblies of God is a network of churches that's actually bigger, Pastor Chad, globally than we are domestically. In fact, when you say, hey, I belong to the Assembly of God, did you know that 95% of us resides outside of the United States? So we're a global movement. There are 10 times more Assembly of God churches than there are McDonald's restaurants in the world. So you're it. a part, you are a part of this global church that's that's huge. So when you do missions, it, it's really not just a denominational obligation. It's kind of the ethos of who we are as this Assemblies of God Fellowship that we're global. We're just, we're a global family. And yet it all started uh, in 1914 in the Assemblies of God Ah, uh, USA. So, so the world still looks to AG USA as mama. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, I did sort of a global prayer, um, and I had superintendents from Korea and Africa online. In fact, LMTV broadcasted. They have forty million in viewership in Africa, and wow. so uh, I'm on again tomorrow in an interview. So, so it's is great and is wonderful. Um, as Toledo Calvary is, I would encourage all of the newer folks. You're part of a global family, a global family. So, so yeah. In um, in practical terms, I'm the overseer of this organization, and uh, I have a real heart to do just this—to connect with our pastors, to sort of, sort of spiritually, uh, relationally, be in connection with our pastors, and to cast vision. Certainly it's a heavy administrative role, plus we're also a large player in what would be known as the National Association of Evangelicals. That's an association of evangelical churches, and I'm on that executive council and and pretty actively involved. In fact, anytime you see Jerome Adams, our Surgeon General of the United States, he is a solid Christ follower who's got some connection to the Assemblies of God. We've developed a friendship in this uh he shared with our executive committee of the NAE. So uh, the AG footprint is pretty big universally.
0: Yeah. And, and honored to be a part of that. I, I'm going to guess, um and I, I'm going to slip at some point. I, I know I should call you pastor clay, but chief just rolls off the tongue. It is too, too many okay, years little buddy. To, little yeah, buddy, yeah. That, <laughs> So, but I'm going to guess then like, and then you and I've talked before about the different hats that come with your job of local and leading the organization as well as international. I'm gonna guess that in this this season of time as we're addressing the coronavirus, it's probably a whole nother hat that you're having to wear.
1: It sure is, as you related to it. General Superintendent, I wear five hats. So I'm the CEO of our national office. We have about 740 employees. So we've got to, we're in a shelter down. Are we essential, are we not essential. Some parts of our organization are essential. So, So you have that role. Secondly, we have 67 districts in the United States. So you're a part of the Ohio. Most of those districts are in state boundaries. Some of them are more ethnic or language. Uh, Third hat I wear is you know, you're the people superintendent. There's not a day that goes by that I don't get an email or a weekend that I'm out that somebody says, hey, did you know such and such? So it's kind of a tight knit family in the AG. People are connected. The fourth hat would be the the World Assemblies of God Fellowship. I'm on a. In fact, when all of this broke, we had to make the difficult decision of canceling our World Assemblies of God Congress. We had over seven thousand registered to meet in Madrid, Spain, wow. but uh, that obviously is, is was a was a good move. But the World Assemblies of God Fellowship. So we're uh, very active in that role. People look to AGUSA for how are you doing things and. Uh, and I feel a burden to make sure what we export. So, for example, how we're responding to this and how we're act- becomes a model, just like Calvary Church is a model for other churches in various ways of outreach and doing church. So I feel this responsibility that our fellowship, the organization called the Assemblies of God USA, is a model <clears throat> for some of our fraternal delegates around the world. And then the fifth hat, as I indicated, um, we're the largest Pentecostal player in the NAE, the National Association of Evangelicals. But in all five, I feel like I have, in the last two weeks, spoken into, been a part of, had to create some COVID 19 task force, come out with articles, whether it's dealing with self care of pastors or Hey, back off. This is not a threat to religious freedom and liberty. This is a pandemic, so don't interpret it that way. And so I find myself um, with different hats and having to use different voices. But I got to tell you, I have never been more proud to be a part of the body of Christ. I think watching churches just rise in the midst of this, didn't see this one coming, and how they are, how they're being the church. It's it's blown me away. In fact, just think about it, Pastor Chad. You and I might be in leadership to be to to usher in the coming of the Lord. We might actually be the leaders who finish the Great Commission. And so I'm like, wow, that's that's pretty cool. Wow.
0: You know, Pastor, Lee, one one of your strengths has always been. I, I think God has has allowed you to be in some positions of leading in some. Um, really significant and and monumental times. I know that's certainly true. I, I had an opportunity to have a conversation with somebody just recently about the history of our church at Calvary and how those those seven years that you led the church were a time of of restoring health and and kind of leading forward. And so much of what God has done in the last few years at Calvary, the foundation of that comes from that season of health in our leadership and in, in the life of the church um, during that time of your leadership. And, and I, I I say that because I know there's an article that's just about to come out. I know that you targeted at ministers, but some really good thoughts for all of us in not just how do you lead in a time like this, but so much of that comes from, how do you lead yourself in a time like this and some some self-care things. Um, just as I've looked at it, some, some real things that kind of stood out, I I could throw your way, but I'd be curious, a couple of those things that maybe resonated with you.
1: Yeah. And, uh, You know, I spoke to a group of pastors two days ago, and I said, the first thing I want to do is give you a break from having to try to manage everything that's changing. Hmm. And let's focus on some things that are not changing. Let's just, let's take a collective step back and a sort of a sigh and just say, what's not changed? Because so much of stewarding this, whether you're a small business owner, whether you're a minister of a, a large church or whether you're a denominational, we are every day, something's been changing. So I just said, can we take five minutes and let's go on this Zoom call. Tell me something that's not changing. Oh, my family's not, you know, God's not changing. And it was a really cool opportunity to give somebody a break to say, here's what's not changing. But uh, yeah, that's what leadership is. Leadership is all about uh, it's not just it's not just stewarding what you have in your hand. it's learning how to respond. It's learning how to respond to the things that come out of the blue or that are not in your control. So you know, for persons who might be either watching or listening to this, I would just get real practical set some set some boundaries for yourself. You can only go so far and thinking through, okay, how long does my Vacation and sick time run out till I am now no longer paid. Uh, I got to set some emotional boundaries for um, stockpiling groceries. I would just say, set some boundaries, set some emotional and some practical boundaries, and then maybe on the spiritual t- side, one of the things I've been trying to do is find a song each day that I can just sort of play. You know, I'm, I'm I do this for a selfish reason. We have several. Of our staff who are actually hospitalized because of the coronavirus and in critical condition. So, to their spouses, I've tried to audio record a, a, a scripture verse or a prayer. But this week, I was taking a line out of the songs uh, that were a, just a song of the day for me. Like, for example, Thursday morning, I was driving to work, the sun was coming up. So, I thought of that line in 10,000 Reasons that talks about the uh, uh, new day dawning, you know, it's time to sing your song again, whatever I have, whatever lies before me, and I'm botching it here, but just, just a song, and it's amazing, you know, worship, worship isn't, worship isn't like a denominational obligation, we do, when you, when you do your, when you do your digital services, you're not doing worship to fulfill time, when you think about it, worship reminds us of who God is. Uh, it reminds the enemy of who he was. And it also reminds us of who we're becoming. We have the right to become sons of God. So uh, when you let your mind really wrap around this, God knew that we would be going through this season of time. And so he didn't just wind us up and say, okay, go ahead and try to figure this one out on your own. He's He's right there. So so I'm trying to do those kinds of things, the practical from uh, setting boundaries to the spiritual. All right, have some worship, uh, grab a scripture and just hold on to that one for that day.
0: Well, and I, I I really appreciate that and that that perspective that's there even of, you know, the concept that we we could be leading in a season that sees the return of Christ and that, that God didn't just wind this up, but he knows where we're at. I, I was talking with a, a friend today and, and a lot of the dialogue was about, you know, I, I don't want to be in this place, and yet God's allowed us to be in this place and and has not just allowed us, but I, I believe in, in many ways chosen us, right, to to lead Absolutely. during the season, whether it's, you know, you're leading a church or your job or you're, I think, more than anything, leading your home in this season.
1: And, and I do believe that as Christians in the season of times, we are greater than the hardships we face. And through prayer, that unites us. But, um, you know, in one of the outlets, one of the interviews, uh, off camera, the interview person said, can I just ask you, do you think this attack is from Satan? And I said, no, I don't. I said, I think it's, we live in a fallen world, and these types of things happen. I said, but let me talk to you about something even more hopeful than is this attack from Satan. We talked talk to you about the coming of the Lord. And I quoted that verse that said, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached and then the end will come. Well, you think about it, Pastor, in the last two weeks, how far reaching some of our messages have gone. If there's yeah. ever been an opportunity for everybody to hear the gospel, it's in this environment. So, so yes, to your point, God knew what he was doing by placing people At this season of time, on the continuum of life, where we're at, and I don't think this is uh, some demonic attack on the on on Earth. We Earth is in a fallen condition. We're not going to be glorified to our heaven, but with every crisis, does come an opportunity for the gospel to shine. For the gospel to shine. Guess what? Good Friday was not good. I mean, you know, there was nothing good about the crucifixion of Jesus. It was unjust. It was unfair. But what did it provide? The salvation of man. So, you know what? There's nothing good. There's nothing good about a two-month hiccup in our economy and people getting— There is not one single thing good. But God does work all things together for good to them who love the Lord and are called according to His purpose.
0: Well, and you know, as you're talking, it, it helped me to think. You know, I, I just want to say thank you because one of the one of the real benefits of your influence in my life has been that perspective to see. Um, I remember you used to say, "Hey, everything is spiritual," and not in not in the sense of you you have to be super spiritual, but recognize that every part of your life is a part of your relationship with God. And we don't blame everything on the devil. We we live our lives in 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 focus to serve God. That's why I love. Even in that article, you mentioned, "Hey, don't don't miss the the role that humor can play in this." Because I I know Chief, you helped me to live a life that was healthier and more balanced, and not like, "Hey, I want to be super spiritual over here, but then I've got to be kind of carnal over here." The reality is, who I am as a child of God, it flows through yeah. every part of my life, and that really is important in seasons like this.
1: Sure. And I think what happens when you dichotomize that, hey, this is life, this is spiritual, that then when the two kind of try to intersect, you might blame the other one for what's going on. It's all, it's all spiritual. It's all together. And, uh, you know, we're in it. And so that's what's, that's probably what's encouraged me most about watching, particularly in our tribe, churches like Calvary and the Assembly of God, is we haven't taken a backseat. Oh, woe is me. And, and Now, I'll be honest. I hope all of this is a precursor for a large trumpet blast. I'd be very, very happy if this large trumpet sounded, boom, we're out of here, you know. uh, But unless that happens, um, okay, how do we reach one more for Jesus? How do we become conduits of hope? Here's one of my prayers, and this is what I pray for. I pray that we would have um, the spirit of the good Samaritan just come over us, a, a good Samaritan spirit. When you think about the story of the Good Samaritan, there's a lot of characters in that story. You have spiritual leaders who, they just kind of want to debate it. You know, well, is this sickness really from the? It wasn't. They didn't see the plightful condition as something to get involved with. They just wanted to debate it. Well, then you had the robbers. They 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 really wanted to take advantage of that situation for their own good. And I. I abhor when I see that happening, and I pray we would never do that. And of course, you had the 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 uh, the temple priests they were on their way uh, to do an internship so they didn't want to involve themselves and you know I, I likened to that to some church people are. oh, I gotta only look out for my business. no, life is bigger than you. And in fact, sometimes fulfillment in life is when you understand it's not all about you that you're not the general manager of the universe and so when you can get involved in love 417 and those types of campaigns it's so healthy but the good samaritan what fascinates me is you know what he looked at the situation not to gain anything he looked at the situation not to be debated he didn't look at the situation to avoid he said all right i'm in i'm in he rolled up his sleeve knocked out my uh
0: uh your next Samaritan gets fired up he gets fired (laughs) up
1: (laughs) but seriously he got involved it cost him a little something he he used his own money his own donkey to take care and so that's that's what I'm that's what I'm loving watching churches saying okay let the spirit of the good Samaritan we're all in we're going to make this thing happen my buddy who's a coffee dealer uh just yesterday ground 500 pounds of bags of coffee and had this little thing. If you drove by and kept the wheels rolling and the window down, they would pitch in a five-pound bag of coffee. It was awesome. It was awesome. He just said, "You know what? We just wanted to kind of be a conduit of hope uh, in this time." And so that's fun to watch the body of Christ do things like that. And
0: how important is it, like, like that? You know, that that in the midst of it all, one of my one of my uh, concerns is this: is that I'll be so focused that I'll fail to think creatively like i i know your friend you're talking about and the the coffee pitching idea and i'm like okay that's awesome how do we think creatively of how god can use us and not let ourselves get stuck in this mix sure that's a good well, really good
1: certainly you know we're a uh, we believe in the work and the person
0: of the holy spirit
1: and in yeah. my understanding he is the source of all creativity he is the source. I have to be honest. Uh, I I'm excited about where we're at. One of my deeper concerns is what do we look like when the green light is to welcome back, you know, yeah. when, when first Sunday back. And I, uh, I think, I think we'll be stronger. I think we'll know how to do church better. In fact, one of the outcomes of what I'm seeing here and, and, um, Um, Toledo Calvary would probably see this as well. You know, we're in terms of assemblies of God. We're 106 years old. And you think about it. I've never seen in my ministry, an opportunity for the builder generation and the millennials to come together like they've had the last two weeks. I haven't read one blog where somebody's trash in a concert. In fact, Last night there was a King and Country concert yeah. for a convoy of hope, and millennials and builders were all thumbs up and happy emojis on that. Millennials have helped builders set up uh, online platforms, and so I pray that this generational connection will really be uh, continue to live out. But I, I also pray. I think one of the challenges that we'll face is, uh, although. Although we can do this, there there still is something about breaking bread together, koinonia, kind of true. And uh, I I have in my mind I probably the first Sunday back when you say, hey, turn and greet your friend before you're seated, you'll probably lose the service. It'll be about a fifteen minute hug fest and how you doing? And so, uh, but you know what? This church, the, the the church, when you study church history, we have always, always grown and thrived during times of persecutions or setbacks. So, And in the Assemblies of God, this isn't the first time. 1918, at the Spanish Influenza, the General Council actually shut down. They shut down revivals across the country. Churches were forced to shut down because of the Spanish flu. So it's not the first time. And yet, through that, Boy, the church bounced back. They didn't. They they didn't say, "Well, we can't do ministry now." They came back stronger than ever. So I have that kind of faith that we'll be stronger one year
0: from now than we are today. That's awesome. That is awesome. How you know how 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 should Christians be praying during this time? Like I, I know early on, you you gave some real insight to that as you as you've seen this process. Um, I mean, I I think there's some basic ways that we pray for safety and protection, in our own homes and families. But uh, but on a on a on a scale from kind of where you sit, how do our yeah. prayers make a difference?
1: Yeah, I, first of all, I would say don't let your prayers be biased because of your political persuasion. Sure. You know, you you pray for for uh, solutions to come from wherever, from the medical world, from the political world. So don't don't pray politically biased, I guess I would just say. So for me, I'm trying to pray for those who have been affected, for those who are first responders, for the body of Christ to truly be the body of Christ, and then two scriptures that uh, I feel like this Lord gave me, and, and, and they're common, but everybody's got their own. But I, I, I've i been praying for this sort of pandemic of hope to sweep throughout our churches But the two scriptures that are really just big for me are 2 Timothy 1.7, that God hasn't given to us a spirit of fear, but of power of love and clear thinking, sound mind. So that's what I'm praying. I'm praying that people, as they go through this, would have sound mind, clear thinking in a sense. The other scripture that I'm really clinging to and praying for our churches, praying for our people is Romans 15.13. That the God of all hope would fill us completely with His hope as we put our trust in Him, that we'll have both peace and joy, so contentment and a sense of perspective, and so I would encourage people grab a scripture and pray that scripture. Just literally pray a scripture uh, for this situation.
0: That's huge. You know, a friend of mine um, just today we were talking, and and he's gonna he's gonna start memorizing Psalm ninety one because he not only wants to help him, him, his own self to find peace, but he's going to do it with his family as well to kind of help them, you know, walk through this together. And that, that concept of, you know, I think we put the Bible over here and we put our life over here, but mm-hmm. bringing that together is, is huge. Well, so one, good. one last thought, pastor, how how do we pray for you?
1: Oh, you know, thank you. Um, I, I, I carry, if Paul says, uh, uh, in addition to all of this, I carry the weight of our churches. I, I really do. I, uh, I, I remember when I went to Toledo Calvary, um, I was driven by a burden. I remember oftentimes talking with you, Pastor Chad, that, Hey, everybody's got a soul and people to get at people. I, I had a burden to, um, to really see a church nurtured back to health and become missionally, uh, fruitful. Um, I, I think when I said yes to this position, uh, it is heavily administrative. It's heavily, um, you, you lead at a distance and you cast vision at a di- I, I thought, Lord, could I have a burden? Um, I do. I I really do. I'm still driven by Bible engagement, spirit empowerment, missions, participation. But every time I say yes to doing one of these and every time I all right, I feel for that church. How do we help that church? Uh, How do I help our superintendents deal with district-affiliated churches who they're responsible for and some of our smaller? So um, I want to see the assemblies of God have a good reputation. You say, that's a little prideful. No, it's not. In Acts chapter 2, they enjoyed the favor of all people. So to be honest with you, How our county health departments view us six weeks from now, I think is going to have an opportunity for some evangelism, unprecedented. Think about it. Think about it. We've we've been so good at developing an attractional model. Hey, come and check out the lobby at this new theater called Calvary Church. We we (laughs) built an attractional model. Now, all of a sudden, we've had to be sort of a representational model. We've had to be the body of Christ. And I pray that the end of this, they'll go, man, they loved 417. What they did is what causes people to want to check us out. So that's that's really one of my prayers. And uh, and it, just as we continue, there's a lot of frailty with uh, Christian higher education. Many of our schools, they're not heavily endowed, mm-hmm. and so they're dependent on the generosity of people. I think about our missionaries, 2,700 global missionaries, 100 plus that Calvary supports. We've got U.S. missionaries. And these are going to be uh, difficult times for them. So not only would a spirit of generosity, but a spirit of provision be provided for our missionary family that serves here and around the world.
0: It is a privilege. I I know, I don't think any one of us can understand just how busy you are right now, what your schedule looks like, and the the pressure that, uh, that you carry during this time. And it is such a privilege that you take the time to talk to us um for all of us you are a leader but for so many of us you are our pastor and please know that we're not starting to pray for you you know today when we watch this video we have been praying for you thank you um yeah. i've had people asking me we we are so honored uh to to be under your leadership and know that god has put you in the place where you're at for such right. a time as this and right. uh, and that's that's without a doubt and so would it be all right if we prayed for you right now yeah i'd so,
1: love to so. love to
0: Father, we we thank you for our friend, Pastor Doug Clay. God, we thank you for the role of leadership that you have called him to. And just in these last few moments, all the, the, the needs on his heart, even as he expressed kind of the burden of all the churches and the missionaries and the leadership and the influence that comes in the, in the place where you've called him to. And so, Father, we ask that you would give to him a strength that can only come from you. Lord, a grace that would just fill him. Those scriptures that he talked about with joy and peace, the opportunity to sense... Your empowerment in this time. God, would you come alongside of him with anointing and with wisdom, with a confidence that comes from your Holy Spirit, with a creativity that is inspired by your presence? Lord, I pray that you would strengthen those that that serve around him as well and that team that he leads with, God, that you would let them know um, your power. God, we pray for those that he serves with, Greg Mundus and Ron Maddox and others who are um, even at this time, uh, Lord, dealing with the with the COVID-19 virus, yeah. God, that you bring healing healing to their bodies and that you would protect Pastor Clay in this time and give him physical strength. Lord, we thank you for Amen. Gail, for Ashley and Kaylee, for the whole family, God, that you would bless them and keep your hand of protection on our pastor in this season Amen. of time. God, may we not just pray for him in this moment, but God, I pray that you would would continually bring the Clay family to our mind, that we would Amen. continue to pray just for your strength and your grace to be with them in powerful ways. God, we thank you for their leadership Lord, we thank you for the influence of the Assemblies of God. May we do our part as your people both in this season and then in what you want to do as a result of this, Lord, pray, to help people pray. see Jesus as the hope yeah. of the world. God, there's too many lost people, and we're Absolutely. praying that you would do something so significant in this time. Yes. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.